Hi, I'm Scotty from Strange Parts, and you're listening to the Scene World Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Scene World. I'm AJ. Jorg is right there. How's it going? Hello. Good, good, good. In a minute, who are we talking to today? Who we are talking to? Yeah, well, we are talking to Valerio Canone and Peter Smets, Alka Frankie in the demo scene. And they are working on a new super gun for arcades. Now, Valerio, we've had on before uh, yeah. as part of the... Um, the Our card repair thing. Right, right, right. And then Frankie, I feel like he was... I'm not sure he was on the podcast, but I think you did a thing with him, yes? Yeah, he, he was um, part of the Frankfurt Film Museum interviews right. that we did in 2015. That was a whole series. Exactly. And I did um, an interview with him about his history in the in uh, the Z64 scene and about him personally for our history videos on YouTube. So, and also I did an interview with him for the Firmusment Only in uh, Seligenstadt live there with audience, which is also part of our, um, our, I would say, history interviews mm-hmm. uh, stream. So, um, well, maybe I should mention it again in case you want to you wanna subscribe to that or look to that. Um, this can also be found at seamworld.org slash history. Yes. Then you are getting the MP3 versions of those interviews. And you can subscribe to the RSS feed. Yeah, you can yeah. also find them wherever podcasts are sold. Same as here. In fact, if you if you do a search for Scene World, oftentimes you'll see two entries. One is this podcast. Yeah. One is your history interview things. So. Exactly. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, also, also there has been some news to the homepage. So if you actually go to Scene World slash podca- uh, podcast or if you go to the podcast directly via sceneworld.org, you will see that every entry now actually leads to the archive.org. Hmm. And for the interview section, it also leads to archive.org. So um, we changed the buttons okay. where you can actually get the MP3 versions or uh, linked to archive.org. So that's quite nice. Um, we've mentioned them a couple of times. Our archive.org is actually known for their Rayback machine, where you actually can visit homepages from 1996 mm-hmm. up to today, and where they took snapshots on different dates. Right. And that's absolutely amazing. So if you have any website that you miss and it's not around anymore and you need some information, you can still get the information. It's not lost. It's really great. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. So enough about us. <laughs> so we should start about the news. Yes. What have you got? So we got a couple of things that have occurred that, are, that I've noticed. Um, one of these is there's a new 64 game. Um that's been released. It's actually, I guess it was an Amiga game originally and has now just been released on the C64. It's called um, Endless Forms Most Beautiful. Which Never heard of that. Yeah, it's an interesting looking platformer sort of bubble bobbly kind of thing. I'm not exactly sure how it plays, but there's apparently a free download. So 
And evidently, I'm reading it may have actually been a Spectrum game originally, then it went to the Amiga, and now it's out on the 64, so that's cool. I'm not entirely sure who has Great. produced it. I, I see some names attached to it, but I don't recognize them. Um, this is, But it looks Great. good. Yeah, it looks good. It's a cool-looking thing. Um, so we'll put a link to that where people can check it out. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, hey, did you see the... Uh, See the new Star Trek trailer for the Picard series? Oh, yes. Oh. That looked very interesting. Oh. Seven of nine is back. Yeah. And Data. It can't be Data, though, because Data's dead. I know, I know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, because... So this this obviously has a big Borg thing in it, right? Because cause you got seven and nine, they showed, like, a Borg cube and all that stuff. So there's, there's apparently a Borg component. Um, and Lore was pretty involved with the Borg. Was she also Borg? Lore? Yeah. No, Lore was Data's brother. Resistance is futile. Yes, yes. But remember, Data's brother like had taken over part of the Borg for a while. I know. So I'm thinking that the guy that they pull out of the drawer there may actually be Lore. Yeah, but there has been a live interview by IGN on the Comic-Con 2019 mm -hmm. where um, Patrick Stewart and some of his um, co- <laughs> Actors actually mm -hmm. talked about this. Yeah. So maybe we should link to that and people yeah. should check it out. Yeah. Looks it looks right. really good though. I'm I'm super jazzed. I have not been jazzed about a Star Trek series in a while, but this has got me pretty mm. pretty excited. Well, jazz is not bad, but I prefer pop music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends. Like David, it, I'm not a big fan of jazz, but like David Bowie jazz, I'll I'll, I'll give it to Bowie. Bowie can do mm. jazz. Well, it's better to say I'm jazz than I'm popped. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Except if you are a farmer, then you are probably a fan of popcorn. Uh, <laughs> uh, My jokes uh, don't get better. Uh, with, no, no, they don't. It's trying hard. They, they don't, no. Uh, gosh. <laughs> um, so... Uh, uh, well, also, yeah. also for the first time in my life, I learned with this interview that a super gun is not a gun. Oh, it isn't? What is it? <laughs> it's a signal converter. Oh. And okay. um, it's an interface for um, interfacing controllers and all that stuff. Okay, cool. To your arcade hardware. Ah. So a super gun is not a gun. Okay. Hmm. It's not a gun, but is it super? It's wonderful. <laughs> so, uh, other piece of news here, from, uh, straight out of the Belgian Amiga Club is um, a dude named Jeroen Vendezand, eh? Vendezand? I don't know how to say that. Okay. Um, has designed has designed the Amiga 1200+, which is a re-implementation of the A1200 board started from schematics. So it, it, so you need all the original AA chips, like the Lisa, Paula, Alice... And the two CIA chips and the keyboard controller. Um, Gale, Budgie, and the RAM has been removed, and all that stuff is put on a daughter board, which can also contain a CPU. Um, video output has been moved to another output board. Uh, they removed the PCM CIA slot, and they replaced that with some switches and a US, or, or rather, and an SD card slot. Um, they've added a couple of, of fan headers to the board. 
Um, and I guess there's an extension board connector for the keyboard that gives you USB ports for that. So nice. that's yeah, that's currently being worked on. It looks like it's still in prototyping phase. There's a production board available. Um, the colors don't look like they're quite right, but um, but it exists. And so so the cool thing about that is that with the video and the CPU and whatnot all on daughter boards, that means that it can easily take upgrades and you can put like an RTG uh, video card in there. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can do to it that you probably couldn't do to the original A1200. The downside is that you don't have the PCMCIA slot, so stuff like, you know, Wi-Fi adapters and junk like that is kind of off for now. But that does look cool, and that comes on the heel of there was another um, re-implementation of the A1200 board uh, a year or two ago by somebody else um, that was downloadable, and I've seen it for sale a couple of times. So this is kind of cool that they're keeping these things alive. I wish that there was a way that we could get away with not having to use the original chips. You know, like if they could do like an FPGA implementation of them. But but otherwise, I mean, this is awesome and, and helps to keep this stuff going into the future. But I still need new disk drives. You mean you still need new disk drives? Yeah, somebody should make new disk drives. We discussed that once before. I know we did. I know. We discussed that a couple of times. I know. Anyway, I got other news. Um, hmm. Actually, um, hmm. Melody Iris Griffith actually hey, sent an what? email today that the Paleotronic magazine, the retro magazine from Australia, has been released in its fifth issues now. Hmm. And the, and she sent um, to all subscribers PDF links to download. Cool. And I asked her, how about the printed version? Will it come? When will it come? Because the other four issues were also printed. And they were sent from Singapore. Because because printing and shipping is, is um, cheaper in Singapore than Australia. Right. Um, so I'm waiting to hear back from her. Okay. Yeah. And what other news we have? Yes. Um, Chris Wilkins actually emailed that Fusion Magazine issue six is now available. So that's another retro magazine. We have so many retro magazines nowadays. It's, it's really uh, dizzy making. And the German Return Magazine is celebrating the 10th anniversary congratulations Ooh. and this anniversary happens on september 28th this year Ooh. okay and for this the um, they will have an exhibition in the binarium a museum for home computers and video consoles in dortmund germany mm-hmm. and uh, people can get um Entry cards, tickets for eight euros per person, and the um, URL for that would be return dash magazine German, because it's a German magazine. Dot de slash product slash Eintrittskarten, and of course we will put um, yeah, link. Try spelling that on your own. Exactly. Except <laughs> if you know German, then you. 
already got <laughs> what I said. Um, that's that's good. That's good. More on the publishing side. That yeah. would also be already all my news for this. Yeah, month. look at you, Mister. I don't have any news this this week. Uh, well, just just look <laughs> at my my email inbox. Mm. Keep them coming. Yes. Well, then that's all I have, too. So if that's all we got, then we should pop over and talk to Valerio and Peter. Yes, about super guns. Bang, yes. bang, bang. Or not. <laughs> so today we are again talking to Valerio Canone. Hi. And Peter Smets, a.k.a. Frankie. Hi, Peter. Hello. Hi there. Nice to see you again. <laughs> so um, I spoke to you a couple of times already, mostly about arcade repair and for you, Frankie, with the demo scene and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you told me recently that actually you started now your own hardware project for arcades. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, I think I mentioned it first to you at For Amusement Only about six, seven months ago. Exactly. Uh, because I uh, I was doing all the uh, arcade stuff with Roster Mania, you know, buying PCBs, selling uh, cabinets and stuff like that. Uh, but the, the market died out, so I went into the the next evil plan that, that, that I had was because uh, was to make a super gun because we, we were making... We were selling them when when we had them, and we were having we noticed that people wanted them, although there were like no proper ones on the market, and you could get some, but they were like either um, not as good as I would like them to be, or completely over engineered, or you could only get them at like if you were lucky to buy one of twenty from the guy on the right forum at the right day of the week. Wow. So, so what what is a super gun for people who don't know? For people who don't know, a, a, a super gun is, is 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 not a gun, but it's quite super. So uh, a super gun will allow you to connect uh, an arcade machine to your TV or to your monitor or whatever, and uh, you can then play it with uh, self-built controllers. You have some that have uh, Mega Drive controllers, uh, so it will uh, allow you to just connect an arcade PCB or like, you know, uh, any game or a, a Neo Geo or a, a Capcom CPS and uh, play it in like a smaller environment than your big arcade cabinet. Wow. Maybe say it in a few words, being able to connect an arcade game to the latest technology you have at home. No, that's that's what I, that's what we have done. That's not what you can do today. It's what we have done now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> nah. Okay. So, and I see there there is a gap uh, between what you could do in the past and what you can do now, thanks to the piece you just developed. Yes, indeed. So um, we came together. Um, I think during the the last World Cup soccer, the men's World Cup, uh, and uh, we, me and Valerio, we had a talk and said, okay, can we do this? And the answer was, yes, we can do this. And it's, as everything, it started as a small PCB layout sketch on a piece of paper. And we went from there. And then, you know, things got, got out of control. And suddenly we are working on real hardware. 
Okay. And the reason why you had this idea and uh, uh, told it to Valerio was because you ha you tried to connect an arcade to uh, modern well, hardware. I'm not I'm I'm not that technical, so I I know how it works, but uh, I'm I'm not a hardware guru. I'm not a software guru. Valerio is, and we've known each other for years through the demo scene, and it's like you know oh wait. Aren't you a professional hardware designer? Aren't you like don't don't you have like a fetish for ar arcade games as well? Let's talk. <laughs> okay. Um so how was it for you, Valerio? Was it crazy or did you think there was no need for a super gun? Actually, uh I am one of the first few people who actually needed for real. Because the problem with uh Arcade games, you know, I like arcade games, as I told you last time, I'm repairing them. One of the biggest challenges uh, you, you have when repairing them is being actually able to uh, debug the, the fault. So all help you can have is very well welcome. And uh, I really needed something like that myself for my repairs. Uh, and of course, uh, um, when talking to Peter about the Sting, uh, he said, oh, but couldn't we have this, this and that, and also that one, and this or the other one? I said, yes, sure, we can have it, but it's becoming a product. That's exactly where I wanted to go, he said. <laughs> yes. So what's the progress so far? I think you told me you showed a prototype in UK recently. Uh, yeah, we went to uh, Revival and uh, what was it? Well, in the UK, and uh, uh, we uh, we showed like we presented our uh, our ID there. Uh, we couldn't show our working hardware yet, uh, but we you know we had uh, just. We spent the week before the event trying to getting the bare PCBs through customs. Yeah, because customs. Because because um, 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 telling um, a very big German shipping company that uh, you are sending something from uh, China to Germany and then paying it from Belgium, the computer doesn't allow that. Wow. So we had to print like 20 sheets of paper uh, declaring that um, I, I, I had some magical German serial number uh, for, for the taxes. Um, and then we, um, Valerio had to like swear uh, on somebody's grave that he would pay the VAT to the driver. And then they released it, and I think it was there two days in time before yeah. the before he had to leave to the event yes. instead of one, one week and a half, two weeks. Wow! And was it successful? I hope uh, the package came through, but uh, of course we there was not not even enough time to try and populate the board. So mm -hmm. we, we had to bring uh, the empty bear PCB uh, to the show. But meanwhile, things have uh, progressed uh, a lot, um, and there's a prototype uh, which is actually up and running, and for which uh, software is being written. So okay. it's, um, 
there are a lot that's been done. Of course, it's not ready for showing it to the people, like connecting our arcade board and uh, showing stuff on the screen, but uh, it's getting there. So you mentioned the ability to connect your uh, arcade PCB to, um, as I said, external controllers and external monitors, like modern hardware. Is there anything else it can do? Well, um, I, I think if you if you look at the classic super gun, what you will have is uh, it will connect with an RGB SCART to uh, um, a, a TV or uh, an Amiga monitor because they have the same uh, input. Uh, and then for the controllers, you would um, uh, either need to connect to uh, the uh, Neo Geo joystick, which has a special pinout, but it has all all the buttons and it's pretty straightforward. Uh, of course, a Neo Geo joystick is not cheap. Uh, so you had super guns or ad adapters that you could then um, put in Sega Mega Drive controllers. Genesis for those in NTSC worlds. And um, But, you know, the, you have three three buttons or six buttons. So um, I, my design goal from the start would be that we could use more controllers that we have today, meaning USB devices. So on the the Supergun, uh, you will find two USB ports where you can plug in any, hopefully any, but very a large amount of USB controllers that you, you can configure and it, it will run. Also for the video output, uh, you have the uh, RGB SCART, which is the, the classic signal. Um, however, uh, we originally planned to go with RGB SCART, uh, but you cannot source the connectors anymore. Uh, you, we could have 50 over there, 20 over there, 30 over there, but when we, we go even to uh, to a Chinese broker and say, I want 500, they, they don't reply to you because they, they don't have them. So, no. so we decided that we would... Um, um, go to a, a VGA signal because that is also still analog and RGB and there's still a lot of screens out there which take that signal. Of course, it means we have we have to do some working on the video signal, but what also means we can actually output the uh, uh, RGB uh, 15 kilohertz on the VGA plug. So with an adapter, you can turn it into a SCART. Okay. So, so we're not throwing the original signal away. So what's the reason you didn't go for HDMI or DVI? Um, well, uh, HDMI because of licensing. <laughs> okay. And um, DVI is uh, not impossible because we have a 24-bit a, a digital video signal on the board as well that uh, we do not... Uh, include from the first version, but there are expansion options, and that uh, could be one of them. Okay, the expansion option looks like you 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 say to Valerio, I want this adapter, and you do it for the customer, or what's the expansion option? Uh, no, we we have an uh, expansion slot which which can add. Digital video, digital audio, it has a USB port, it has, and, and some other stuff for a future uh, expansion, which is possible. So it is future-proof, and if if something new would come out, like a, an extremely good 
DVI encoder chip or a really good scalar chip that we we we're not stuck with what we have. Okay, interesting. So it's future proof, you could say. Yes, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> okay. But, but so past proof. Let's say you want to have, for example, uh, that very rare joystick you acquired, which you paid a lot of money for, which is not USB. Well, no problem. We can develop uh, an extension that allows us to connect your joystick. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, so if yeah. you so if you want to use your uh, AES joystick because you totally love it, we th there is the possibility. Not saying that we're gonna do it, but it's possible that we have a connect, we have an adapter board where you, where you can then use it. Mm -hmm. Okay. This sounds a bit like other hardware that is um, currently being made, like the Ultimate 64, who doesn't have a user port, but you have a breakout port, though that you can connect it as, as a later time when it's available. So it's kind of that uh, future-proof expanding option, similar to that. Um, how about the software? Will you, um, I don't know, is it something like you could update it with new features? Will there be regular updates? I mean, that's that's the thing nowadays. Everything in your household is connected to the internet and has updates I, permanently. I, well, the, there is no need to connect a video game uh, from the 80s to the internet, so the board does not have internet connectivity. But, of course, uh, um, there um, you can uh, run a software update on that. Through USB stick, no problem. You put, you download the file, you put it on the USB stick, and uh, it will upgrade itself. No problem. Okay, interesting. So you thought about that because um, with with all those adapters you have nowadays, I actually had the problem, you know, that I bought an adapter for um, adapting uh, PAL M, which is from Brazil. Yeah. to my to my European Paul here in Germany and there was a firmware bug and um, the manufacturer told me that uh, they cannot fix it because the device doesn't allow you to make updates to the software on it so Ouch. <laughs> you know so um, right and and I don't I don't know if the solutions that are available currently um, before you come out with your version of such an adapter, if they have any possibility of, you know, supplying, um, applying firmware updates? I have seen a couple of, uh, of these uh, super gun boards, but most of them look like they're done uh, around a simple microcontroller, for which, yes, you could update the software, but you would need to buy uh, the debug uh, um, uh, rig, which you then connect to the board, uh, and uh, you need to get uh, a software update uh, from the manufacturer and then upload it, uh, use its software and stuff. You need to know what you're doing, otherwise you fry the board. Uh, you know, it's not just as plug and play as a USB stick, yeah? Ah. So your solution will be user-friendly, and as I understood it, um, right now you have like uh, tons of versions done by by different people that are really hard to get. So 
yours will be the first commercial version that is not over-engineered, has, few, has um, a full um, future-proof concept, and people can get it without a problem. Which leads me to the question, um, how about the market you aim? I mean, arcade is a special thing because in Asia, for example, in Japan, there is still a market for arcade, while here in Germany, for example, it's just collectors. So who are you aiming with the product? Um, everybody we get to do with uh, um, arcade. So collectors are uh, one part, of course, but you also have the casual gamers who, you know, some, some, I've, I, I've sold PCBs to people that, you know, they, they have one or two boards. I've had, for instance, one, one guy, um, he was a, a, a collector of uh, Mega Drive. And then he, 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 he would like to be able to play all the arcade games of the, of the uh, Mega Drive guys that, games that, that, that he liked. So that's one. Um, talking to a lot of guys in the UK at Revival um, was also that things we didn't think about is that um, actually use it uh, inside a cabinet. Uh, so you put uh, the uh, arcade board in there, you put uh, our super gun in there, and you can use USB controllers. You have a VGA out, you have an audio out instead of doing the entire wiring. And because it's it's there's software on there, um, you can uh, do your settings, you can import them, you can export them because <clears throat> we have all USB things. Um, so that that's even markets we we didn't think about. <coughs> That they came came up with. So it's it's basically ev everybody who would like to play an uh, arcade game um, at home, uh, or uh, it, is it for testing? Is it for repairing? Is it for casual playing? Is it for collecting? Is it to put inside uh, other cabinets? Uh, it's very versatile, and you can go everywhere with it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned this repairing um, help here, and. Um, Let's maybe see it from Valerio's view. I mean, even back in the days, they must have repaired arcade boards without having such tools. Oh, definitely. But they did have uh, plenty of uh, um, arcade-grade uh, RGB CRT monitors, which we don't nowadays. Um, they uh, had all the parts that they needed to create a joystick on the fly just to repair the board, uh, Yes, sure, they had the power supplies and everything. But today, since arcade boards requires some uh, uh, negative voltages, which were only uh, available, I guess, in the um, XT PC era, if you remember, um, those are not available anymore. You don't find the power supplies for PC that have those, um, um, those negative voltage rails. So... If you don't have those voltages, um, then you're basically stuck. Or you have to buy an arcade-grade uh, uh, power supply from eBay, which might be used or might be not reliable. And we solve this problem on the board. So basically, you just provide the board with 5 volts, which you can get everywhere. And uh, the super gun generates all voltages that are required by the game. And also, since you uh, spoke about uh, uh, the extension and all the stuff, that's another thing that's uh, 
I think it might be a world first because I've seen a lot of super guns, but nobody seems to do this. Everything that's audio and video, it's completely digitally processed on our board. Whereas I've seen uh, other super guns, they have just said, take the analog signal from the input to bring it to the output and be done with it. So quality is also a um, selling point for this kind of product. Which leads me to the question, um, is there any CRT emulation involved or anything like that? I mean, I mean, there are tons of solutions that um, emulate such things to get the old experience also on modern screens. For example, I guess the most famous one would, would, would be FrameMeister. Um, yes, uh, I mean, FrameMeister is a very known product, uh, but it's also uh, quite expensive uh, and it is just a scaler. So you have a video input, you have a video output. That's it. It's not a super gun. You uh, still would have to wire your joystick uh, and video signals and everything, and people simply does not know how to do this, or most of the people doesn't, or doesn't want to bother with it. We bring in only one solution that's going to solve all the problems. Mm -hmm. um, with respect to um, the question you made about uh, um, a CRT emulation, the first goal is, of course, to make the signal visible on the monitor and uh, with uh, an acceptable quality. Whereas by acceptable, I mean better than what other super guns do, of course. <laughs> and once that is done, sure, there will be uh, firmware updates uh, which will enhance the, uh, the customer experience, definitely. Now, um, you say, well, you convert the, the signal for the video output and so on digitally. So does this resolve the problems that we still have nowadays with a different broadcast standard for TVs? I mean, even nowadays you can, um, you can have NTSC PAL signal issues, even with HDMI. Um, for example, I remember when the C64 Mini was released, the European version came first because it's a British company who produced them. And when they were shipped to some YouTubers from America, they barely could find um, a TFT screen, a modern screen that would work, that would handle the PAL signal via the HDMI inputs um, that was required by the C64 Mini. While here in Europe, almost any... Um, TV since the 90s and even the modern TVs can do NTSC. So um, how, how about that? Whereas Americans cannot do PAL because they're not interested, because they rule the world. I'm sorry for the... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just I, just, I, just, I just wonder how you, how you will cover those problems or will there be no problem at all? Will this device work without any modification or will it have auto detection? Um, because I've seen, I've seen such devices or similar devices and you can see that sometimes you need a special Brazilian version or sometimes you need the European version and American version. And um, I've, I, I wondered how you go about that. 
So um, about this, uh, um, first of all, you need to consider the, the input side because every arcade board uh, has its own uh, preferred timing uh, um, on the video signal. So you need to be able to acquire the signal with the utmost quality, the, the best quality ever possible in order to be able to render it. Otherwise, if you acquire crap, no matter what you do digitally, it's going to be crap on the screen. And uh, second, um, one, um, the one thing that no other super gun has is uh, um, the digital processing uh, of the video. You know, the Frame Meister has uh, something inside that's called a scaler that's going to adapt a video signal at a certain resolution to a monitor that requires another timing, uh, completely different or another resolution. And that's one thing you can only do if you convert the signal to digital, process it, and then output it at the rate the, the monitor wants to have. So you typically on, on um, other super guns, you will need to have the super gun and then a scaler and make them work together so that you can actually see the image on, on a TFT monitor. Our intention with this product is to bring both things into one so that there is no other stuff the user has to buy, not just to see the signal. And once you have that in, uh, in the digital domain, you can make changes uh, and therefore you can adapt, although to a certain degree, uh, to the monitor that's going to try and display the image. So if they, if it can only render PAL signals or NTSC signals, uh, you can try and adapt it uh, so that you can see the signal in its entirety, although maybe with black bands uh, or a smaller scale, but it will still work. Mm. Or like in, like in Brazilian signal case, in here in Europe, you have you have a picture, but you don't have color. You have just, you have just black and white. <laughs> um, so the the short answer is your product will work in all regions without any headaches. That's the goal. That's the goal. Okay, and that means it also includes the obscure um, signal from Brazil because and um, that's basically a region where manufacturers rule it out. May say you're talking about NTSCM uh, or Paul M. I don't remember, but Paul, Paul M. Yeah, Paul, Paul M. Because because Brazil because Brazil has the timing of of um, let me think the timing of Europe of the European broadcast standard, but the color but the signal of Americans. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, see, um, the uh, so I said the discussion of. The um, NTSC Paul uh, Paul M um, or, or Secam in France on an um, arcade board doesn't matter because each board uses its own frequency. It's mm. it's RGB. RGB does not have a fixed resolution, which is why in an arcade cabinet you would have to twist the buttons to st stretch the screen and roll it where the the board was outputting <laughs> it. So uh, we would have to handle. Uh, all the different inputs and then make all these uh, turning knobs configurable in software and from there then output something 
to a, a VGA signal, which is, uh, you know, a, which is pretty standard. Yeah, that means you don't have any problems with well, um, how well, to how to access. Let's say, let's say, like Paul M or Paul or NTSC won't be the problem. There, there will be others. <laughs> okay, so, um, but but you are quite sure you can handle them. Uh, we have good confidence that we picked the right video chip. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. So, um, what what is the scale you are thinking about? Um, do you plan to, I don't know, just put it on the market? Or do you want to, um, I don't know, go to, go to Japan first? I mean, I wonder... How how big your scale with the product is? Do you want to penetrate the the whole market on all countries at once, or do you want to make it like I don't know a niche product, or will it be more mass mass market? Uh, we hope to be somewhere uh, in between, of course, because we're in Western Europe. That would be our first target market uh, because that those are. No, um, um, the collectors in, in, in Germany, UK, France are all really close to us. Uh, so we're also uh, we're already talking to some guys uh, in the UK on um, on UK VAC that will um, that, that have offered their, their, their help for, for testing when we are there, because right now we're not. Um, but of course, yeah, this this is a worldwide product, but for but for that we would be looking at resellers and these distributors in other regions so um it's it is completely stupid to ship a board from here to australia or to the us or to japan one one by one with the shipping costs so we would be we would we are open for distributors once they're uh, once we have a product and then you know we ship one box over once with you know five, ten, fifty, one hundred boards in them. So. Interestingly, that you mention it, I noticed recently that even Amazon started distributing um, retro games and all that stuff. And some are even exclusive for Prime members. So I was surprised that even um, Amazon joined the market. But I guess you you will not go um, this route, but probably look at some other ways of. Uh, distribution i'm 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 perfectly fine if amazon wants to buy 50 from us to put on a site of 500 i would consider Valerio, you would as well uh, for me it's not a problem yeah it's i mean like, it's, it's, it's not it, a problem who sells it no it, it is it is that um um my my personal opinion is is that arcade games are out there to be played and and, and and if you make this a niche product that you can only order on one magical website on okay. on uh, only in the second week of the month then you will not make then you will not open it up to people who want to play a casual game then you will only like target the the, the, the hardcore collectors that know when to get it where to get it we we want a global availability uh-huh. um for the board so that's that's the goal so do not do everything ourselves we will uh, as said we uh will be open are open for uh, international partnerships 
Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm just just asking because you know, as soon as you go the broad market, you have new problems to think about, like translation of documentation, customer support, and all that stuff that you usually don't have to think about um, if your product is more for the niche market, as I said, for the for the freaks, for the hardcore arcade guys, then you don't have to worry about, you know, documentation in, in German or whatever and um, customer support because those people probably know what they, what they want and what they are doing or at least have some bas basic knowledge um, of, of what they can expect. Yeah, well, you know, um, customer support uh, and uh, user manuals, you don't do them uh, in a written language. Learn from Chinese and Japanese. They have user manuals, which are mostly pictures, because their language is so complicated that, that not everybody can speak proper Japanese or Chinese or whatever. So you do pictures, you don't do text, because then everybody can understand. Plus, this might get me to present the product in Japan. I have never been to Akihabara, so that comes for, as a good thought. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Yes, we were open for invitations to 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 Japan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Fun. I, I have been there already um, two years ago. I can say it was worth it a lot, and um, especially all these arcade centers. You would really love them, I guess. Um, yeah, interesting. So, what's the time scale? When do you want to? Well, I don't know. Reach the um, the RC status, the release candidate. Well, uh, let's see where where we are now. Okay. So, so what we what we have is a prototype, uh, which is now being worked on software wise, and um, the the internal goal uh, was that if we have something in a beta by the end of summer uh, or in or in like early early autumn that would be fine and then of course we would have a few prototypes so then we have to go into big production which will also take if take a few months so um but if it takes time then it takes time i'm like we want something that works from the first time and not just um ship it with a bootload that, that, that says download new firmware and and fix me. Uh, so like um, availability um, and end of the year, early next year at the earliest, we want to do this properly. Uh, looking at where we are now, Valerio mentioned to me that, he's, that, that we're still doing the driver software. So like an application, we, we don't have hello world on it yet. We are, we're, we're making drivers to talk to all the components on the board now. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but um, drivers is another point. Will it, will it connect to PC, for example? Um, no, because uh, the USB ports are OST port, which is required in order to be able to connect uh, the joypads. And there is no other connectivity available on board. 
But there is a, a very nice feature that's planned. We want to have it, um, uh, which is being able to record your gameplay, not video-wise, not audio-wise, but input-wise. So the board should be able to record your inputs from ever since the, the game gets reset to uh, up to until when you finished your game. This will be recorded to a file which you can store on the USB stick. And once you have this, you can basically create super plays that you can replay not on YouTube, but on the real hardware. Great. Yeah, but that's that's something that is... You can take a super play you've done with MAME, convert the file format, and then play it on the real hardware through the SuperCAD. Great. Yeah. That's so um, that's, for example, used. Um, I, I think I saw this when when um, when there are projects that try to have an AI playing a game and learning how the game plays, they are also recording and recreating inputs, signals and sequences. OK, interesting, interesting. There's, there's one thing that I really hate when watching super plays on, uh, on YouTube. Most of them are played out of MAME. Yeah, OK, MAME is cool, as, um, as, as I said last time, it's the best software ever. But uh, what about uh, showing uh, a super play on a real arcade board? Nobody can because it's difficult to put something uh, in the middle that can control the board automatically from a from a file, you know. And uh, that would be a word first. Nobody has that. <laughs> and and as you said, it doesn't include a streaming function. So how no, audio and video, audio and video do not get recorded, um, or um, so you, you cannot. I mean, uh, you can always connect something externally to the video output and audio output and record that externally. Yes, of course, but the board is not is not going to do that on its own. Okay. Now, let me ask you, I don't know if this is a secret, but what is the price point you're actually trying to pin for the final product? Will it be will it be requiring deep pockets? How deep are your pockets? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how, how good the product is. No, no, it's like what would let okay, because I am I, I am we are now talking to somebody who's obviously interested. What would how deep would your pocket be for something like this without doing market research? Uh, well, let's let's uh, okay, okay. I would say like a 50 euros. Well, um, maybe you, maybe that would be the entry level. Okay, um, well, so and, just, and maybe I would go up to a hundred. No, I'm going to interrupt you. Like, um, okay. um, looking at the functionality, think, think of a price. Of an OSSC or a FrameMeister, because we're doing the same, we're offering the same functionality partly. Uh, I, I don't, I don't remember what a FrameMeister costs, but I think about 300, 400 euros in that range. Yes, in that yeah, range. Yeah, okay, okay. And that's pretty much uh, the similar price to the X converter. 
Um, you know, there's this converter with the X in the title. Can't remember. That's uh, pretty much like Frame Master. I'm, uh, I'm, it's even better. I'm not at home in the converter market, so I'm not telling. But no, the um, the price point we are aiming for is 150 euros. 150? Yes. So actually half of the Frame Master's price. Uh, and you can connect an arcade board to it and USB. Component. Yeah, which of course all the other products don't have. At least not in this. They're, they're in. They're in. They're, they're actually. They're. They have completely different goals. You know, a, a, exactly. a, a, a frame meister, an open source scan converter is to have an existing RGB signal, either 15 kilohertz or 1 kilohertz, whatever, uh, and uh, make a DVI HDMI from it and um, do it with um, as little lag as possible, and you can tweak each each frame or or field and we are not doing this we are we are making a device that will allow you to play our um, arcade boards to current technology so um would they be able to coexist as in would you be able to put the vga signal from the super gun through an ossc or a frame master very likely you know if you want to do that go ahead um, but that's that's not what we're doing. Um, looking at price points of the super guns, what you said indeed, a basic super gun which does, as Valerio explained, take the input and just throws it out there on on a SCART connector, and with some with some ICs makes a, a Sega controller happen is in the 50 to 70 euro uh, range, um, like the. Um, I I used to sell them uh, anyway. It's not not, not important what the, what what the name is. Um, so that that's a basic one. If you go look now on any website for um, a super gun that has a bit more functionality but not not much, they it's 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 100 euros plus. So even at 150, um, could we ask more? Yes, but then we would get into niche market territory, which is not where we, where we want to be. So okay. yeah, I, am, I am pretty sure we can ask 200, 300 euros for this and we will sell. But then you only sell to like to the, you know, to the hardcore collectors. Or to the businesses in Japan or China where, where arcades are still a topic. Um, but of course, in those countries, you have more modern arcades that don't have the problems of old screen, old input. The like, yes, like um, a modern arc, uh, like um, the super gun we're doing is, uh, is 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 of no use when you have uh, a Naomi game because uh, the inputs are, are completely different, and we're not. Uh, while while we do have a connector for a kick harness, so that when you play Street Fighter 2 or whatever CPS version or Mortal Kombat, that you can input your extra buttons. We're not doing an entire harness for saying, um, you know, whatever's on the market now. And if, if you look at the arcade games from the last five or ten years inside, they're basically PCs anyway, so that's not what we're aiming for. And they have a JVC interface that's completely different from Jamma. It's relying on RS-485, uh, and uh, yeah, it's basically completely different stuff. Hmm. But but anyway, um, 
you know, there's um, still a lot of, for example, shooters, because I love shooters. Um, <laughs> there is a lot of shooters which are still extremely expensive nowadays, like the cave shooters. Uh, I don't know, Dodonpachi, uh, Saidayo Joe, and all those stuff. It's stuff that's still new. And uh, MAME has some of them emulated, but just because they have been abandoned by the, the factory. But uh, these mm-hmm. games are sold in Japan. People buys them and wants to play them. And those have JAMA interface. Interesting. And if you want to buy a game like, uh, I don't know, you want to buy uh, uh, Dead Smiles, for example, just an arcade shooter that costs easily north of the 1,000 euros. Oh, well. Easily. You want to buy nowadays R-Type that's Last price I've seen that's seven hundred euros for bootleg. Yeah, it's crazy. Bootleg. Yeah, in it's Japan. Crazy. You find the original that's gonna cost twice as much. Plus wow. Japan, it's expensive, so expect less, like something in the thousand six hundred. I mean, there are some arcade games that are extremely expensive. Those kind of people wouldn't bother paying even four hundred euros for. A super gun that does proper job, but as he said, that's not really our market. I noticed you are not going the crowdfunding way, which is what most projects do nowadays. Um, I've looked at crowdfunding and um, like the the most obvious choice, which is Kickstarter. Um, um, just no, there is there is so much overhead in cost and everything that we would have to raise the price with at least 50 euros um just just to to have to make to, to have it make sense for us financially because that's the overhead that kickstarter has and you have all your uh all your um, um companies that, that 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 do your shipping and your handling and your mailing and it's it's just like no and your company has to have uh, a um a branch in the U.S. because U.S. law, and um, also you know a funny thing, just a funny thing. I heard more and more uh, about uh, scams uh, which are carried on on uh, Kickstarter uh, or Indiegogo, for example. Yeah, people drawing stuff, uh, just a few. Uh, just a video of a super mega game and then getting the funding and disappearing with the money. I don't know. We have never been on Kickstarter, so probably people would think twice before thinking we're genuine. And uh, we do not want to be mistaken with scammers. Yeah. So so for, for now, um, crowdfunding is not something that's on our planning Look, we have looked at it, uh, but are not going to go that way at the moment. So you will probably start with small batches and then see how well it's how well it sells. Um, actually, no, because a small batch will cost more than a big batch. <laughs> okay. It's uh, it's it's it will cost you 
as much to make 20 PCBs at a fab as to make 100 PCBs. So you might as well just go for the one. It's it's your it's 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 your startup cost, and you have to make arrangements for all for all the parts up front. You have to so if if, if you say I want to make uh, 100 boards, you have to pay 100 parts, and then you get only the first time that you pay everything anyway. It's not it's not how that works. So it's uh, having we are now doing a small batch for the prototypes. Uh, and they're also um, um, put together by hand. But once we go into production, it it will be bigger batches with with good uh, availability and machine assembled. Well, yes. How I, I guess you already worked together with uh, PCB factories from China and all that. Um, from the past, I heard a lot from uh, project owners that said that China has a big problem in understanding how this retro components work. And um, for example, let's, let's, let's say the DTV, the first units had a color problem because in the Chinese factory, they, they wired the ICs wrong and all that stuff. Um, how, how about your experience with that? Or is that not a problem at all? You just give them their your design and it's all good. Yeah, well, you know, um, my my experience with that is people is people. They're gonna make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But um, you know, in Germany, you could call the fab and say, "Hey, here there's a problem. This I see has been mounted. I don't know uh, the other way around." Or these two ICs have been swapped together. Whereas in China, you have to say, great, you did a good job, but it could have been done better. You know, and um, which means you have to um, to put up with a certain fault rate uh, from the stuff that's get, uh, that gets delivered, which means, uh, uh, of course, um, printing stuff in China is cheaper but you have to account for testing every each and every single unit that comes in and verify that that's really uh, correctly working and everything's fine, which is something we're going to do anyway. Okay, okay. So, yes, China is cheaper, but uh, comes with the snowbacks. But um, you would rather go for a better price point than have it manufactured in Europe and have to um, get the prices up. It depends on how much you want to uh, you you want to pay as a customer. I mean, uh, uh, printing a bare PCB today in Europe is probably gonna cost uh, north of the, uh, north of the 300 euros. Whereas in uh, China, printing the bare PCB it's gonna probably cost something more in the range of the 150 euros. Ah, okay. I don't think customers uh, would accept uh, to pay double the price just to get the unit manufactured in Europe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, um, of course, the thing is how you also how you handle the first batches and all that. I mean, for example, I know that um, as I said, the DTV there are three versions of the Paul. Um, variant because of manufacturing error and they sold it they sold the products anyway or another another prime example is the Commodore one 
where it has a design flaw and all PCBs from the Commodore 1 has hand-wired flying wires on it, so it's correcting what went wrong in the factory by design. So <laughs> I, I always found this um, quite quite interesting. And even, even back in the 80s, Commodore made flying wire experiments on on some boards um but but i guess i guess as i said you have a, um a certain type of overhead and then you just redo it and um get a better version out you know in the business world that's of course uh, the the problem that you need to meet uh, a deadline and uh, if you uh, fucked up with the, your design, the Chinese printed the, exactly what you told them to print or to assemble, and, but it's maybe your fuck up. So you can tell them, please wire up this fix to each and every board that will do it, but it still remains your fuck up. In my opinion, delivering a product to the customer with flying wires and stuff, it's not professional. So uh, I do want to deliver a board that's fully, so fully functional, uh, and just from the look of it, you can see it has no flaws uh, in printing and stuff. That's gonna take a little bit more time. That's why also he said, uh, let's wait till uh, the end of uh, the summer or uh, maybe the end of the year, because we want to have uh, a product that, um, the customer would like. Wow, that's a lot of information. We spoke one hour now about um, your product. It's incredible. It's great. And we still haven't plugged it yet. <laughs> so, so where can people find more about it? Uh, well, what we have, so uh, first of all, uh, the product has a name, which we haven't used yet. Uh, we have... So it's not called Super Gun no, no, or something. It's not called Super Gun. Um, the Super Gun is called the Kodai 16. K O D A I 16 Kodai 16. Uh, there is a website, kodai16.com. Uh, there, uh, there also is a Facebook page for those who don't do websites anymore. Uh, on, on the website right now, we have you can subscribe to uh, a mailing list where we will keep you updated. Uh, same goes for the social media stuff, uh, obviously. And uh, we right now we don't have much to post because writing drivers is boring. You know, we can we, we can tell you we can we actually have a, a picture on there of of uh, of a serial debug window that says loading firmware, so it does something. But yeah, that that that's there's not much to show. It's <laughs> like it's like extremely unsexy. So let's make it a promise that next time uh, we have an interview, we're gonna show you the product working. Yes. What I can, what, what I can show you now is uh, one of the the PCBs. Valerio, will you scream when I take it out of the out, out of the bag? No, I will not scream. But try it. Do not touch the pads. Otherwise, yes. uh, we won't be able to solder components. Anymore. I know. <laughs> ESD protection. No, it's not ESD protection because the board is not. Uh, there are the no pads board, here, so I'm not touching yeah, anything. The bare board is not ESD sensitive, but the bare pads, when they right. get fingerprints, they get oily and uh, they do not solder well anymore. So, um, so this is not vaporware. This is not a scam. We are. <laughs> this. 
That's a good point. Every time there's some retro hardware, people call it vaporware. Exactly. <laughs> so, this is actually real. We are we are doing this. Um, we are we are getting somewhere. We have had good feedback from the community already. We always would like more, obviously. And um, we really hope that you know we, we've been talking to some guys at Revival to uh, first get our feet in the water, so that get the initial feedback from what over there are hardcore collectors. You know, uh, there 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 are guys. Um, Forgetting the name because I suck at names, but we had we had a game at him which is, was um, guess the game. You would hold him up a random PCB and he would scream from 50 meters away which one it was because he knows every layout wow. of every, every board by, f- from memory. Wow. Or or, or like um, identify the bootleg and then he would go, oh, it's an Iron game because they're the only ones that use these kind of memory chips. So <laughs> great. Like smarter people than us, um, so so that was good. And now we're looking for feedback and input from the rest of the of the community. Um, best way to do it is through the website or through the the uh, the social media stuff. Um, I we're we're not on every forum on every board. Um, that's just you know we don't have a social media manager. That that's me. And uh, um, I can I can only spend so so much time on this per uh, per day, um, so our outreach right now is quite limited. But then, you know, once we once we get further in the development, we'll get actually something to show. Uh, and because r- right now, yeah, we have a populated PCB with one jumper wire. Um, actually, two jumper wires, um, and uh, yeah, a connector that soldered uh, manually. Manually, because yep. uh, it didn't fit. <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, you know, um, prototypes. Yes, so it's, it's kind it's, of stuff that's gonna happen on prototypes. Yes, uh, we will. I will send you the picture, or it's also on the website, by the way. You can, you yeah. can, and you can fetch it from 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 there. So I'm I'm really glad we made this happen. Um, I'm sorry that I had to to um, to let you wait five minutes, but uh, yeah, yes, we are crying actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Thanks a lot. So I hope we meet each other soon again at some point. Maybe at, maybe at Formosan only, and maybe with the product. Uh, I said as soon as we have something that's. Uh working in a prototype sensor we're going to scream in your general direction anyway great yeah well <laughs> i'm pretty sure this is awesome all right guys so thanks for taking the time right yep yep and uh, looking forward to meet you soon in september <laughs> so yep. thanks a lot thank bye. you bye see you soon see you soon ciao